This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Boxing with Chris Mannix is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. It's got great odds and markets for the NBA, NHL, college basketball, and so much more. It has got awesome new and existing user promotions. It is unquestionably America's number one sportsbook. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours fast turnaround. It's fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. Discover the most popular SGPs each day right when you log in. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started right now. Sign up with promo code BOXING so they know that I sent you. Promo code BOXING so they know Chris Mannix sent you their way. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, it's a big fight weekend over in the UK. The heavyweight championship on the line. Tyson Fury going up against Dillian White. A lot of other things happening in boxing. For that, we're going to go over to the UK to one of my favorite boxing insiders out there. Mike Coppinger, the boxing insider over at ESPN, is going to be covering the Fury-White fight for ESPN, which can be seen here in the U.S. Uh, on ESPN+. Plus pay-per-view mike how was your early experience uh over in the uk great uh fans here are amazing this is my third fight in london i also covered the anthony joshua alexander pavekin fight uh in 2018 at wembley which i know you were on the broadcast for for the zone and then again a year later when josh taylor fought regis program at the o2 but this one feels a bit different so far already um you know we've all heard eddie hearn Bash Tyson Fury say he's not a star here. I, I mean, I, I think the proof is in the pudding. Fury, with his, you know, I think it's four fights in the U.S., has really transformed himself into a megastar over here with those two big wins over Deontay Wilder. Of course, his charismatic personality. And they, they're going to have about 94,000 plus on Saturday. And everyone, yeah, I mean, just the presser yesterday was a, was a madhouse. Boxing is just so much different over here, as you know. It's treated as a major sport and not maybe very much so in the U.S., except on a rare occasion. What, what do you attribute that to, the the ticket sales? Like you said, the 94,000-plus that are going to be at Wembley? Because I, I don't think, and I, I'm sure you agree, that I don't think before Tyson Fury made his way to the U.S. to have the fights against Wilder, I don't think he does this number in the U.K. Um, three or four years ago. I agree with you. I think it's a combination of factors. I think you have to give Anthony Joshua a lot of credit. Anthony Joshua being on the UK boxing scene, I think lifts Fury as well. 
because his interest in a future fight with them and just interest in the heavyweight division in general and boxing in general. And Joshua and Eddie Hearn are a big part of that in the UK for sure. And then on top of that, Tyson Fury has really built himself. You know, WWE, WWE is really big in the UK. He's done that stuff. He's had the knockouts. And, you know, not to be uh, xenophobic like most Americans are, but I think when you make it, so to speak, in the US, it does make you bigger in your home country too. And then thirdly, Dillian White is a major pay-per-view star in the UK. I think he's headlined Sky Sports pay-per-view, a box office, five, six times, somewhere in there. I, I doubt this fight is a closer sellout if Fury's fighting just anybody. I think he has the right dance partner as well. Yeah, Dillian's been, you know, when Dillian's been talking, he's been saying, you know, this is not the Tyson Fury show. It's, you know, I'm here too. I'm a, a pretty big name over in the UK uh, as well. So it's uh, definitely a two-man game when it comes to uh, selling this fight and selling out this fight uh, over at Wembley Stadium. But it is good to see so many fans uh, in attendance for an event. It just makes it so much of a bigger deal. It looks so much better uh, on TV. Let me ask you about the fight itself. I mean, Dillian White, I think we'd both agree, has deserved this opportunity for a long time. The WBC just hosed him, you know, for over a year when it came to not getting him his world title opportunity. He wound up losing to Povetkin. Uh, came back and avenged that defeat with a spectacular knockout. Now here he is in a world title fight. Tyson Fury, uh, number one heavyweight in the world, coming off those back-to-back -back wins uh, over Deontay Wilder. How much? How competitive is this fight? I'll put it that way. Do you look at this as a competitive fight, or is Tyson Fury the massive favorite that he's being billed as? I truly believe it's a very competitive fight. I think Dillian White is a lot better than people give him credit for. He's a number six in our rankings. I think he could have a number five if you wanted to. Probably hard to have him higher than that. Great body puncher. Most importantly, comes to fight. Tough, durable. Um, obviously, the Pavekian fight notwithstanding, the first one. And just a, a big puncher. Great left hook. And he's going to be game. This is his, I mean, I, in my opinion, he is no doubt the most accomplished boxer actively to never receive a title shot. I mean, we're talking about the four belt era, sometimes more than four belts. And this guy is 34 years old, wins over Joseph Parker, two over Derek Tesora. A good fight with Joshua that he got knocked out in years ago, and he's never received one title shot. So, of course, I'm picking Tyson Fury. I think this fight, I don't see any way this fight goes the distance, but I think it's going to be a really fun, competitive fight. And let's not forget, Tyson Fury, yes, he did knock out Deontay Wilder in October. That was a brutal fight. He got knocked down twice. You don't know what that took out of him. I think it's going to be a great fight, and I think White's going to come to win. See, one thing I, I would push back on, I, I think it goes a different direction. I don't think this fight ends in a knockout because I don't think we see Tyson Fury fight the same way that he did against Deontay Wilder. He learned something in that first fight against Wilder about how to fight the bully. He took the fight to Deontay in the next two after that, because that was the best strategy. Went to Sugar Hill uh, and you know put in that game plan. Look, I, I don't think he's going to fight Southpaw like he did at the open workout, but I, I think you're going to see maybe a more tactical fight from Tyson Fury where he uses his physical tools to his advantage. I mean, you were there when they were standing next to each other. They're not eye-to-eye. -eye. Like, you know, Tillian White is giving up about five inches uh, in a fight like, that, like this. And I, I think Fury coming off those fights with Wilder, maybe more inclined to kind of use his size advantage, keep uh, White at a distance, do everything he can to avoid that big left hook that White stopped so many guys with. I don't know. I mean, I just think, I honestly, I think you're going to see more of the Tyson Fury that we saw against Vladimir Klitschko than the one we saw against Deontay Wilder. What do you think? Uh, you bring up a good point. I, I do think look, Fury is one of the very few fighters, um, maybe him, Canelo Alvarez, Terrence Crawford, maybe Errol Spence to a degree, I'm maybe forgetting a couple that can fight, you know, at an elite level going forward and going backward. I don't know many guys that can do it. But I'm not sure. I, I think Tyson Fury really loves scrapping. I think he loves putting on a great fight. And it was a great performance against Vladimir Klitschko, but it was painfully boring. And... I think you know Fury's. I mean, Fury really excels about mauling style. Yes, you're right. He has the range and the height and everything else over Dillian White. But we saw Povetkin knock out Dillian White by going on the inside. Dillian White has a lot of defensive liabilities. His chin is just dangling on a silver platter. He he makes mistakes. 
So I do think Fury could maul him. Maybe he does both. Maybe he mauls a bit. Maybe he, maybe it's a combination of the two. But I, I, I do think there is something to be gained from, from trying to push that guy. You know, Dillian White's not a fighter who could fight going backward. So I do think there's a good reason to push him back and, and apply some pressure, no? Yeah, I, I think there's definitely uh, a tactical advantage to doing that. I, I also am not sure that Sugar Hill, who comes out of that Kronk gym, is going to encourage more more boxing style. Maybe Ben Davison would have, but um, you know, Sugar Hill is kind of an offensive, more oriented coach. There's also the possibility that you know Tyson Fury can't fight that way anymore. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of boxing miles necessarily on his tires, but you alluded to the uh, fights with Wilder. They were wars. Um, his personal life has been has seen his body kind of ravaged over the years. Uh, maybe he can't fight the way he fought against Vladimir Klitschko on his toes and moving and sticking and, and fighting in that way. So we may have to go out there and bang with Dillian White. I just think it, while, while the Klitschko fight was painfully boring, as you said, I, I completely agree with that. I, I, that's like melatonin to watch if you want to go back and, and do that. Uh, it, it may be a strategy he employs just to kind of box Dillian White's ears off and uh, win a wide decision. Let me ask you this. Um, Tyson Fury... He, like threatens to retire like every six weeks or so. He's doing it again now where it's, you know, this, this would be the last fight. I'm going to go off and be a husband and be anonymous and all, all that stuff. Uh, how much should we believe that? You know, he, if he wins this fight, he's got, you know, <laughs> nine figures ahead of him with uh, you know, a fight against uh, two fights, maybe against Anthony Joshua or, or Alexander Usyk. I mean, is that just, Tyson Fury bluster and and I guess the follow-up question is like why does he keep doing that like why does he keep suggesting he's going to retire when most people in boxing are like dude we, we know you're not going to pass on these massive fights and these massive paydays I mean yeah I he said all along that this is be when he retired right he said it would be because this is the last fight of his contract at the top rank so he's been saying to be fair this would be when he retired all along and he does seem more adamant than usual but no, all the same, I do not believe him for a second. I mean, if we have Anthony Joshua fighting Alexander Usyk, July 23rd in a rematch, you're telling me Fury's going to pass up the opportunity to fight the winner for not only undisputed, but probably something like 80, 90, you know, 100 million in the biggest fight in all of boxing? There's just no way. This guy loves fighting, and he says it all the time, right? He's had his mental health struggles, and he only really feels well and his best when he's fighting, when he's training. I think he would just get bored, just like Tom, Tom Brady was reti retired for what forty days. So, um, look, if Tyson Fury wanted to walk away, I certainly don't ever criticize anybody who gets out of boxing with their health and their money. But I just don't see it. And even if he did retire, it's just like every other one, everyone else in boxing. How many guys actually stick with it? Yeah, I'll put it this way: I don't think that. Fury is going to be defending his WBC title against like Otto Wallin in a rematch. I don't. I don't think he's getting up for that type of fight. But I'm with you. You know, I mean, whenever, whenever the Joshua Usyk stuff is settled, Fury's getting in the ring with that guy. I mean, Maddox, where would you place the odds that Tyson Fury never fights again after the Dillian White fight? Zero. Zero. <laughs> Honestly, like zero. Like I, I agree with everything you There's said. No he's, he's a he's a fighting guy. Like he's just a. He's a fighting guy. He's going to get back in the ring. Like he may, he may nominally retire in the ring after this fight, but we all know that's nonsense. Like, yeah, you know, he'll come to the table um, once that. He'll probably be at that Fury or Joshua Usyk fight and ready to get into the ring and challenge the winner face to face. He just can't help himself. I was actually told that he'll be at the Canelo Alvarez um, Dimitri Bibble fight in Vegas just to take it in. Oh. So all right. Well. I'm sure he'll have plenty of time to talk to the media uh, there about his future. <laughs> that, should be, uh, that should be interesting. Um, the backdrop of this Fury uh, against White fight includes the news that MTK Global, the management company that has worked with Tyson Fury in the past, which was founded by Daniel Kinahan, co-founded by Daniel Kinahan, who has been a longtime advisor to Tyson Fury. MTK Global announced they were ceasing operations at the end of the month. Uh, they have been tied to Kinahan over the last couple of weeks in the aftermath of the U.S. Treasury announcing sanctions against Kinahan and other members 
of what they call the Kinahan Organized Crime Organization. Um, there's a bit of bounty placed, effectively $5 million on for information on the arrest uh, that leads to the arrest and conviction of Daniel Kinahan. Fury was asked about this uh, during his fight week. He basically punted each time, said I had nothing to do with that. Um, you know, it's, it's his business, not mine. And then kind of did everything he could to kind of run away uh, from that question. Now, you know, let, let me ask you this. The closing of MTK Global, um, surprised that they did that? And what are, if any, the ripple effects that will be felt through boxing? Not entirely surprised. Um, I, I don't really know what other action they had considering the sanctions. Uh, you know, I, I know promoters are, I've heard of promoters having fighters sign um, contract, not contracts, but I guess um, statements, uh, you know, saying that they're not advised by Kinahan fighters that have been. So uh, I think it'd be tough to do business with anybody, especially, if you're, I mean, at least if you're an American fighter right now. And I think the ripple effect is massive. I think Kinahan and Al Heyman are easily the two most powerful men in all of boxing. Um, I, I, you know, you probably put Kinahan number one, right? I mean, he's, I mean, you and I know that this guy's pulling strings that that no one even, you know, he's pulling all kinds of strings behind the scenes, not just fighters he manages, but putting fights together and fighters that he's not even linked to. So, you know, if if, if this guy is going to be completely removed from boxing, and I, I don't, I don't know what happens to the. 250 fighters, 200 fighters, whatever it is that he manages. Lots of big names there. Um, Josh Taylor, Terrence Crawford, you know, Tyson Fury. And, you know, list goes on and on. So, you know, if you talk about Tyson Fury retiring, that's the only way I could maybe see him retiring because we've seen Tyson, you know, adamant so many times about, you know, his relationship and all of that. Maybe something like that would be something that pushes him away, at least for a little bit. I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching. But I think the ripple effect is massive, and I think that they'll be unwinding it for some time now. Mm. But, I mean, where do you think these fighters go? Well, I mean, some of the I – mean, look, so like, you, you mentioned like a guy like Terrence Crawford who doesn't really need to go anywhere necessarily. Like, he can continue on – you know, with his trainer as his manager and, you know, Jojo Diaz has other opportunities. I'm sure Josh Taylor has other opportunities. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think many of them w won't go with a manager. Some of them will go with the other guys that we know of and guys maybe they've worked with in the past. Um, but I don't know. I don't know where they, I, I, I don't know. I just don't, I'm not entirely sure yet kind of how that affects them. Like, you know, this is not going to affect a potential Crawford Spence fight. It's not going to affect Josh Taylor moving up to welterweight and fighting somebody on that level. It's it's it feels to me almost like a more inside boxing story than one that fans will notice. You know, like I'm not so sure what what fans are going to you know, if a fight gets made or doesn't get made, I'm not so sure fans are going to be like, "Wow, that was, you know, the closing of MTK had something to do with that." You know what I mean? Right. Like I I don't know if that's the case. I do wonder, Mike, like MTK is is gone. Like end of the month, they're they're ceasing operations. What does that mean for Probellum? Probellum is another uh, entity that has been tied to Daniel Kinahan. Um, they recently did a show in Dubai. Kinahan is based in Dubai. They've used a lot of MTK fighters on their early shows. Um, you know, does this put them kind of in the same crosshairs as MTK was? No, MTK was directly tied to Kinahan. He co-founded their company back in 2012 with Matthew Macklin when it was known as MGM. Probellum, just like MTK, has come out and said, we have nothing to do with Daniel Kinahan. Richard Schaefer was on this podcast and said, we're not, that's not us. Um, but, you know, if, if promoters are viewing Probellum as a, uh, you, you know, as part of the Kinahan circle, a lot of them aren't going to work with them either. And if Probellum doesn't have like access to uh, a major television deal, if they don't have access to other promoters, whether it's Top Rank, Eddie Hearn, they could be in some trouble here. Like that to me is the big ripple effect. Like Probellum came out to the scene with all this money, big splash. We're going to do big things. They bring in Richard Schaefer. They align themselves with Lou DiBella. Um, but if they're faced with the same kind of backlash that MTK was faced with, I think they could be in some serious trouble. 
Yeah, it's tough to say right now. I mean, the most damning thing so far that came out was Bob Arum, right? His many interviews basically saying that Probellum is linked to Kinahan and, you know, saying that they're one and the same. Uh, of course, like you said, Schaefer didn't, you know, says that there is no link, but it might not be, it, it's probably not going to be a matter of, you know, proving or disproving, like you said, right? It's going to be, it could be for a lot of networks or promoters, oh, we, you know, this is the appearance of this. So we're going to stay away maybe, or I, I don't know what happens. If, if they need, they always are going to need to have a TV deal or I guess an app or a platform to succeed in the U.S. at least. Like you said, they, they made a lot of big signings right out of the gate. I think they were seen as a threat, but now they're going to have to, to weather this, you know, at least PR storm and perhaps, a, you know, a bigger issue with the TV networks. Well, um, that's the thing, right? That's the thing because, you know, MTK isn't closing because, you know, various governments, whether it's the U.S. or otherwise, are, you know, closing in on them. They're closing, as they said in their statement, because promoters aren't going to work with them. And if they can't get... um and they, they used a plural in their statement. Like, they mentioned, you know, Top Rank's been the most visible because Bob's out there, you know. Anyone that wants to Zoom with Bob, apparently he's picking up and doing, <laughs> doing interviews on this stuff and just saying, just, you know, putting stuff out there. But, you know, it, there's, there seemed to be an implication in that MTK statement that other promoters were taking the same position. And and that's that's the thing. It's not that MTK couldn't have kept operating. It's just that if... You don't have these promoters working with you, and you don't have access to these TV deals and the TV money. Uh, you are dead in the water when it comes to being involved in boxing, and that's where I think it could become problematic for Probellum, which has I don't know how what their stable looks like total number right now, but it's a big stable that they're operating with right now. And if you can't get if you can't do co promotions in the U.S. and you can't get guys on TV globally, you're in trouble. Like it's as simple as that. You you may be legally able to keep operating, but you will not be able to function as a promoter uh, without that kind of access. I mean, I would say I would be shocked if they just ceased operations like MTK. Like, I don't see any way that happens. You know, I they agree. Put a lot of, they put a lot into this. Um, Richard Schaefer is a really smart guy, and they have a lot of smart people there. So, again, whether you, you know whether their links can be proven or not is you know that's obviously one question. But the other one is, I, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna push through and. I think they're going to see if they can make it work. I think they have to at this point. And I, mean, I guess short of a TV network, maybe they can go with an app. I don't know. I guess a lot of it comes down to the fighters too. Are the fighters completely on board? I mean, they have some, you know, what happens with Regis Progray? They're just, I think it's, it is troubling for them that they have some, you know, um, the kind of accusations and all that so early, you know, in the infancy of what they're trying to lift off the ground. It's probably at a tough time for them. So, bring up a good point yeah they're trying to prove themselves and uh this is kind of hanging over their head whether they're involved um with kinhan or not that's that's not even the point it's just what is what's the perception of it the perception yeah. could ultimately um you know hurt their business all right let's talk about a fight that we've been discussing ad nauseum for far too long it's become the mayweather pacquiao of uh the recent generation terrence crawford against errol spence errol spence returned from another long layoff looked impressive against Jordanus Ugas. Give Ugas credit. He, he's he's really good. And he he hurt uh, Errol Spence uh, in that fight last weekend. But Spence ultimately lands a shot that, you know, literally breaks the face. It's becoming like a face breaker, you know, in, in some of these fights. Did it to Kel Brook, and now he does it to Jordanus Ugas. Um, you know, busts up the, uh, the eye uh, of Ugas, wins uh, by knockout. Now, we turn our attention to a showdown between Spence and Crawford, which would be for the undisputed championship at 147 pounds. We have heard rhetoric between these two guys, Mike, for years. Uh, but as you kind of sit here now, um, you know, in the middle of 2022, do you look at this fight as being more makeable than ever before? Or is this going to be, is this going to be something that, like Mayweather and Pacquiao, disappoints us once again? I'm fairly confident it's happening later this year. I mean, there there have been talks for this um, for this fight even before Spence fought Ugas, and that's why you hear Spence talking so confidently about it now. Um, that really was the biggest roadblock was Terrence Crawford being with the Top Rank. PBC does not want to do business with Top Rank, especially not for a fight that you know they could lose, right? A fifty-fifty fight with somebody they built into a star. So, I, I still think the money could be an issue. It's not going to be easy. Terrence Crawford made $6 million in his last fight. 
a pay-per-view that did not perform up to expectations against Sean Porter and Errol Spence. I don't know what he made for this last fight, but you can, you know, you can be assured it's in that range. So how much are they going to want to fight each other? Are they willing to take, I mean, you can't pay each guy $10 million. This is not going to be a commercial bonanza, in my opinion. This is not going to be a $500,000 buy. What does this fight do, Chris, on pay-per-view? It, it's, a great, it, it, it's a great point, and I've raised this a couple of times. Like, for the boxing purist or diehards, whatever you want to call us, like us, like, we want this fight bad because we'll be both be there like this is this is a great fight. It is for I mean it's for all the marbles. One of the best fights you can make, maybe the best fight you can make in, in all of boxing. Um, but I, I it doesn't it doesn't break through right now. It doesn't reach the mainstream in the way you need to reach it in order to get that five hundred thousand buy, six hundred thousand buy. You know the numbers that Mayweather puts up, Canelo puts up, um, these other guys put up. It just doesn't. It's just not there. I mean, you know, I don't know who you blame for that specifically, but it's not going. I I, I think you're right. I think it's three hundred to four hundred thousand right now. And if you're talking about a fight in that range, the guarantees are going to be tough. I agree with you that you know that removing the top rank obstacle obviously makes things a lot easier. But I've always thought money was like one A in in this problem, especially when you know Spence early on was out there talking about. 60-40, even 70-30, that kind of split. He's obviously come off that at this point. He's he's more reasonable with his demand. So I think split is going to be okay. But, like, the guarantees, I think, are going to be a problem. Like, will PBC come up and say, guarantee $9 million here, $8 million there, plus upside? Like, and will they take that? Like, that, to me, is my big concern right now. Like, how much is going to be guaranteed these guys? Because I don't I, I don't think it's, it's going to reach the kind of mass audience that it probably should but for whatever reason, has well, has not cracked through. Yeah, I mean, negotiations are not going to be easy for this one. I can't imagine. Showtime is probably going to have to put up some money. They've, they've done it in the past. And again, I, I, I have no problem with a fight this good being on pay-per-view. It's just, a, it's just a shame that a fight this good won't be seen by more people. Because it is going to be, like, like you said, an excellent fight. It's going to be an amazing action fight, too. I have no idea who wins. I go back and forth in my head. And I do think it does a really nice, healthy gate if it happens in Las Vegas or even or even Dallas. But Vegas is mm. much better for high gates. Um, I think got both fighters are going to have to be a slightly reasonable. Like, and, and by the way, three three hundred to four hundred is is no joke. I mean, that, that's a really good pay per view. So, I think if both guys can be reasonable, we can make this fight happen. But I, I don't know. I, I, you can't you can't pay them ten million a piece. I don't think. I mean, if they get it, good for them. But. It just it's just hard to to justify unless you're willing to really roll the dice and bet that if you do a strong promotion, which you know PBC and Showtime are f- totally capable of doing, like you can do a multi-city press tour and you know try to really glom on to the mainstream fan, remind people of how good uh, this fight could be, as you said, action-wise. Um, you know, maybe, but it's, it, it. you know, someone's either going to have to take a big risk, whether it's Showtime or PBC, or Crawford and Spence are going to have to be realistic with their demands. Do you think that Crawford fights before then? Like, you know, he's been inactive since that last fight with Top Rank. Do you think he tries to get back in the ring, or do you think we go straight into potentially a Spence and Crawford fight? I don't, I, I've spoken to people around, around the fight, and I don't, there are no plans for Terrence Crawford's fight right now. I mean, unless it's something I don't know about. And I, I would I would rather him have a fight, just, you know, just because Spence has had a fight too. But it seems like Crawford doesn't ever have ring rust. I mean, he always, he's always yeah. dominant. He's always training. I, I know he was just this, this week helping Shakur Stevenson prepare for Oscar Valdez. And I would say as, like, as media members, often heard, I think a lot of us are calling for it and saying, you know, it has to happen now, probably two years ago, three years ago. And it's actually been perfectly marinated to steal out Bob Aram's term. Like if it happens this fall, it's probably bigger than it's ever been. And but I would say now that if it doesn't happen this fall, like all right, we're starting to get past the expiration date. Like now is the time. Like I can't imagine a better time than right now. Spence coming off that performance, Crawford coming off the Porter win. They're both still in their primes and in their you know early to mid thirties. Now is the time. Yeah, and. There's nowhere else to go at this point. Like, I give Spence a ton of credit. Like, he has fought every top welterweight not named Terrence Crawford. Like, he's gone out there and 
and face the best competition. But if he doesn't fight Terrence Crawford, what's he going to do? He's not going to fight Virgil Ortiz, like no matter what Oscar De La Hoya tweets. Um, and Terrence Crawford hasn't been able to secure a big fight for ever. Like he, he's not going to just pivot to Keith Thurman and fight like, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense. It does, the only fight that makes sense is between these two guys. Otherwise, I think one or both is going to move up and we might lose that fight uh, potentially forever. Um, let's uh, let's talk for a minute about something that happened at the Spence fight last <laughs> weekend. You were there and I'm just, um, uh, you got Jamal Charlo, my, my, my man, Jamal Charlo, who is, uh, it was at the fight. He was, um, there on the broadcast talking about his upcoming fight against Maciek Zaleski. When he went off the air, uh, he got into it with uh, David Benavidez, his uh, fellow PBC uh, middleweight, super middleweight. Um, they got into it. Uh, Jose Benavidez, the father of Benavidez, was kind of in the middle of that at some point. Uh, you were there. Uh, wh- what did you make of that altercation? Well, um, obviously, I didn't see the broadcast, but apparently Charlo was taking some pretty big shots of Benavidez on the broadcast, what I heard. And then, so when I heard about the fight at ringside... He was I, also, I by the way, he was, he was also defending the Sileski fight, which I kind of had to, like, just put oh, Twitter God. down for a minute. I just, I couldn't with that. I couldn't. Um, I, you know, I, I want to say to all the listeners that you, I thought it was jokingly, you said to me for well over a year now that, watch, Charlo's going to fight Sileski. And I was, like, laughing about it. And there, sure enough, I mean, I, I will say, Charlo did want to fight Jaime Munguia. I give him he credit did. for that. He did want to fight him. So... But, I mean, I don't blame Charlo necessarily for the Suleki fight. I think it's – I blame PBC more. But, like, yikes. Like, I, I don't – no one needs to see that fight. Charlo, Charlo, no matter what you want to say about him, he's an excellent fighter. I mean, I, yes. I love watching Charlo fight. And that's why we want to – anytime you and I and other people are calling for these kind of fights because we like seeing these fighters fight. And sometimes fighters, like, get mad about it. But, like, if we're not talking about you, then – But anyway, so – Well, no, but it's ring- like – but that, that, just before you do that, it's like – and I say this on the podcast, I get accused of being like a Jamal Charlo hit. I'm not. Like, I just, I, I don't care about, you know, Charlo Juan Montiel. I don't care about Charlo Maciek Suletsky. I mean, you're right. It's not Charlo's fault that this Suletsky fight is happening. He did try to make the Munguia t- deal. It did seem like they had at least financially agreed to terms and all that. But, like, the previous stuff is his fault. Like, not pushing harder for Demetrius Andrade is his fault. Like, kind of just fighting once a year and protecting that belt is his fault. So, like, that's my big issue. I, I, I've i always said, like, if Charlo gets in the ring with Demetrius Andrade, I have no idea who wins that fight. It's an excellent fight between two top guys. We just want to see it. So, Charlo Andrade is off the table. Is sorry, Charlo Chris. Benavidez a possibility at this point? Well, I'm sorry, Chris, but Charlo Benavidez is a much better fight than your fantasy yeah. fight. I, 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 I just say it. I mean, it's a great Benavidez fight. is... Benavidez is a fighting machine. I I mean, I think everyone loves that guy. He just comes forward, hands down, throws, you know, 100 punches, whatever it is, around with power. And he's turning – I think he has a real chance to be a star. He just needs the right fights. But certainly he's very accommodating. He's – you know, he talks great trash. And so anyway, I walked over to him. I was at Dallas. I walk over to him, and I see the – the commotion is kind of dying down. And I was like, hey, what happened? He said, well, Jamal Charles started shouting at my father, so I got in his face, you know. And <laughs> I asked Canelo about this yesterday, and I said, because, you know, both, obviously both Charlo and Benavidez have lobbied for shots at Canelo, and both are excellent matchups in their own right. But Canelo has usually said, well, why don't they fight each other and earn a shot? So I asked Canelo, I said, hey, what did you think about this whole fight at ringside and all that? Did you see what happened? So he said... They need to fight in the. They need to fight in the ring. Why outside the ring? It doesn't make sense. They have some problems fixing in the ring. And then I said, okay, well, do you think that you know? I asked him like, do you want to see the fighter or whatever? He said, I don't care if they fight each other or not. Not my problem. So there you have it from Canelo Alvarez. But he is right. Like I don't understand that. Like you're, how I think this is at least the second practice they've been in. Like just fight each other. Make millions of dollars. It's in my opinion, one of the three or five best fights you can make in all of boxing. And then after that, the winner would, you can't deny the winner a, a big opportunity. People would then be calling for Canelo to fight one of those guys. I agree. Um, you know, Charlo's got a belt at 160, but he's a big 
160. You could see him moving up sooner rather than later. Benavides is up there at 168. Benavides is going to fight David Lemieux next month. Charles is going to fight Suleski. Like, you could do it for the end of the year. Like, everything just lines up right there for that fight to happen. But I, I just, that's one, Mike. We talked about Crawford Spence. Like, we have some, both have some optimism for Crawford Spence. I still have zero optimism for Charlo Benavides. Maybe it's because I've been burned so badly on like these. You know, Charlo Andrade, personal feelings that I've had over the years. I just don't see it. I, I don't see. I don't. I'm not sure if Charlo fights again. You know, there's. I, I know there's been some talk about Charlo Daniel Jacobs. If Jacobs doesn't wind up fighting Jaime Munguia, pass. Pass. Yeah, I, I'm, I, yes, give me Charlo Benavides. I'm with you, Charlo Benavides. But I don't. I just don't. I don't. I don't believe it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think there's maybe more of a chance we see Benavides Caleb Plant before the end of the year. Um, but. I, yeah, which I, I'm also fine I'm with, fine by with the that. way. I'm fine with yeah. that fight. Ben, and Benavidez and Plant will be a great fight, too. Or they hate each other, too. Yeah, they yeah. hate each other, too. You got three, like, three guys that are all guys. top of their games. Like, what are we doing? Get in the ring. Other. Get in the ring. Fight each other. What's happening uh, here out there? Um, last thing for you. I want to ask you about um, Ryan Garcia, who returned a couple of weeks ago, won a decision uh, against Emmanuel Tego. Isak uh, Cruz. Uh, won this past weekend on the undercard of the Spence fight, beat the artist formerly known as Yuri Orcas Gambo. We got we got to we got to stop putting Yuri Gambo in the ring. Like we just have to stop doing this. I mean, if I I, I don't blame the broadcast at all, but I can't hear. I don't want to hear former featherweight champion again with Yuri Orcas Gambo. That's like calling. It's like one step below calling like Chop Chop Corley the former welterweight champion. It's like you know, oh we're just we're just so far removed from that. Like he's just. Such a washed version uh, of himself. But I thought Cruz looked great. You know, he wins by knockout. He shows power, shows aggression. It was an excellent um, first performance after the narrow loss uh, to Gervonta Davis. You know, Ryan Garcia takes the social media and says, I want you, Isak Cruz. At the press conference afterwards, Cruz uh, seemed to be on board uh, with that matchup. Uh, do you think that's a fight that can get made? And is that the right fight for Ryan Garcia? Ryan Garcia didn't look his best against Manuel Otego, but and I, you know I, I don't want to. Ryan was coming off a long layoff, a lot of it, you know, physical issues, mental issues, and Tego did not open up at all. So kind of hard to look good against that kind of fighter. That was just, yeah. Ryan was in a tough spot there. Um, he did hurt him a couple of times, and you can argue that he could have finished him off, but he didn't. But I know Ryan Garcia is a lot better than he showed him that night, and I'm not worried about him. Uh, Isaac Cruz, I don't think is as good as he showed against Shavante Davis. Um, I, I think he's a solid fighter, and I'm not going to put much credence, like you said, into the Gamboa performance. I mean, Gamboa is, Gamboa is still trying to fight with his hands at his waist, and his reflexes are clearly not what they once were. So that really doesn't work anymore. I, I don't know. I, I could I could see Ryan Garcia potentially fighting Cruz if, if Cruz is going to get a boatload of money, and then PBC wants to put him over there. Otherwise, it's going to be the same st song and dance, right? Golden Boy is not going to do a deal with with PBC and vice versa, and you know PBC is going to say the same thing. They want it on their platform. Golden Boy will want it on their platform. So. That's one of those though, Mike. Like that's what it's like. You know, Ryan Garcia, what he wants, he gets. Like that, that's a levels above. Like I, I would think, right? Yeah, like there's, of course, of course. You know, if you get if you get like Mungia and Charlo, you can have a legitimate debate about who should be involved broadcast wise. But like this is Ryan Garcia, like. You know, it, it versus Isak Cruz. I'm sorry. No, I agree you, with you. Yeah, like that's. But, yeah, um, that's. I, I, I guess it's. I'm just saying that it's going to be have to be so much money that Cruz's people say, "Okay, we're we're sorry, we're just taking this fight." Yeah. Otherwise, the politics of the sport are going to say that. Oh, well, Cruz will just fight some PBC guy in his next bout. If I'm Cruz, though, if I can get, you know, I don't know, I've heard some numbers close to seven figures that he might be able to get to fight Ryan Garcia. If I can get that. I jump at that because the opportunity to fight Ryan Garcia is probably not going to be there much longer. I mean, I think Ryan Garcia at some point soon is earmarked for 140, and that might be uh, the end of any talk of a fight with Isak Cruz. And, and Garcia, to your point, might be at his most vulnerable right now. I know. I, I agree with you. Tego, I mean, Tego, I don't even want to go back and make this about him, Tego, but he he talked he talked so much shit during that fight week and then just did nothing. Like, he went out there and did not engage with Ryan Garcia at all, at least not until the very end of that fight when he opened up uh, a little bit. But Garcia looked, you know, a little more, a little vulnerable out there to the point where Cruz has got to have in his mind, like, if I 
if, if I believe in my power, my aggression, I might be able to do something uh, with Ryan Garcia. I do. I don't want to like, I, I think Cruz is good. I do get some kind of Romero Duno vibes though, off Cruz to bring it back to kind of a, a, a former Ryan <laughs> Garcia. But I mean, you remember when Duno, like there was that period where it was like, Ryan's afraid of Duno wouldn't sign on to fight yeah. him. Duno went out in like late 2019 and stopped Ivan Delgado and, you know, people were wondering, like, you know, is is this the guy that's going to beat Ryan Garcia? And then he faces Garcia on the Canelo undercard and just gets steamrolled in the first <sighs> round. Now, I, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. To, um, I think Cruz is better than Duno, but he kind of presents the same type of style where, like, if he comes forward and Ryan Garcia, who is very good at fighting guys like that, you know, Gervonta, by his own admission isn't great at fighting guys smaller than him. Ryan Garcia is. And, you know, his ability to time guys, if Cruz comes in, like, a little bit too reckless, he's going to get caught with something big. And I know he's got a chin. He stood up. He went the distance with Gervonta Davis. But you get hit with one of those flash left hooks, you're done, no matter who you are in this uh, in this division. So I, I hope it happens because, you know, I, there'll be some buzz for that fight because of what Cruz has done over the last year. But it might be the perfect fight for Ryan Garcia, because I'm not so sure that Cruz is, you know, a top lightweight as he kind of has looked like over the last eight months. Yeah. It's funny to, uh, to kind of hear Jojo Diaz be thrown in the same mix as uh, Isaac Cruz. I mean, Jojo Diaz to me is a far better fighter. Uh, at least, you know, he's proven to be a far better fighter. You know, mm-hmm. can, Cruz can certainly, you know, get to that level and prove it. But yeah, I would pick Ryan Garcia over Isaac Cruz by KO with confidence. And hopefully we get the fight we all want to see, which is Ryan Garcia versus Javante Davis. Like, you know, that one, you know, there's, both guys are very young, so we have time on that. But you mentioned, like, you know, Ryan Garcia could be a 140 soon. Devin Haney could be a 140 soon. Hey, I would love it. Maybe we could do the four kings at 140 and then... No, 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 no. I'm not going to... No, we, we couldn't get him at 135. I'm not I'm not going down that rabbit hole. No, I, want the, like, I, I want the four kings at 140 and then, and then they'll still not fight each other. It'll yeah, be the same. We can talk for years about it. They all, they all might get stopped by Regis Progray at that point. <laughs> Regis <laughs> will just Regis is hanging out at 140 just to try to get a belt and then hopefully get one of those big fights uh, for him. Uh, last thing, I'll put you on the spot. Uh, we, we mentioned some hypothetical fights, and now we're into April, You know, going into May in a couple of weeks. Like this year, I'm going to ask you about three fights that we've quasi-discussed here. Um, Spence versus Crawford, does it happen in 2022, yes or no? Yes, I, I say it happens, and I, I'm going to say it happens like late in the year, November, December, something like that. Jamal Charlotte, David Benavidez, does it happen in 2022? Begrudgingly, I say no. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> and lastly, we mentioned Javante Davis. Javante Davis, Ryan Garcia, does that happen in 2022? Oh, look, I, I'm not going to get greedy. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say we're going to get Spence Crawford, and I'm going to be happy with it. And I, I, you know what? If we told me that we get one of those three fights, I'm happy. So I'm going to say no to that one as well. We, we treat boxing like baseball at this point. Like if we bat 333, like that's a big win <laughs> for the year. One out of three. We're above the, we're above the Mendoza line, yeah. <laughs> Stay above the Mendoza line, exactly. Uh, Mike, great to talk to you again. You follow Mike's work. Uh, over in the UK all week long. He will be at uh, Tyson Fury against Dillian White. Again, that's a fight you can watch on ESPN Plus pay-per-view here uh, in the U.S. Follow Mike on Twitter, at Mike Coppinger. Thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me, Chris. When we come back, I'm joined by Canelo Alvarez. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. 
Uh, that's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fight fans, take your best shot with a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 from FanDuel Sportsbook. Even if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out, new customers get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code BOXING to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. Choose from the money line to the method of victory and so much more. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. The app is so easy to use, and when you win, you'll get paid fast. And FanDuel Sportsbook has just launched in Ontario, Canada. To place your first bet risk-free, just sign up with the promo code BOXING. So, Canelo, you just kind of keep jumping from training camp to training camp, big fight to big fight. Um, I- I'm wondering, do you have any tricks for kind of staying motivated to keep things fresh so you are as sharp as you need to be? I love boxing. I love what I do. So this is part of my life. I don't come to the gym like, oh, I need to train because I have a big fight. No, this is part of my life uh, now. Is it ever difficult for you to find motivation to kind of get up and come to the gym and work? This kind of fight, this kind of challenge make me motivate myself. So these kind of fights, uh, um, big fights like this, uh, make me feel motivated. Is it the same kind of motivation you had 10 years ago when you were younger and coming up? Maybe, Maybe more. Maybe more. Why more? Even more because uh, I'm I'm here where I want to be, right? When I was young, so I want to still be in this in this level, be the best fighter. So I'm maybe more motivated right now. Do you think if you didn't have a big time opponent that it that you wouldn't be able to get as motivated that you kind of need? Somebody that's dangerous, like a beevil or a plant or whoever? Yes, I think so. Yes. Uh, See, if now it's like, oh, I'm going to fight like, oh, okay, fighter, but no, I don't feel like that. That is a big challenge for me. So that's why I, I keep fighting with this kind of fighters to make myself uh, think it's a big challenge for my. For, for myself. You are a married man now. You have children. D- does that make you want to box more or less? I, 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 just, I just don't see myself uh, out of boxing. So I want to fight many years, but you know, you know, this is, this is, this, this is a sport half a time. Um, and I just always say, six years seven years more and that's it but maybe less maybe more we don't know do you like having your your kids at your fights yeah 
why, why do you like them there? What does it do for you? Uh, they motivate my, they motivate, uh, they motivate me. So that's why I saw them, I hear them, and I get more excited. You have a, a teenager now. Do you, does she understand kind of, how does she feel about you being in the ring, fighting, getting punched, how that feels? Oh, she loves what I do, but she would a little nervous, but she loves what I do, and she's so proud of me. She always say, I want to be like you that uh, in my in my career, like she jumps horses. So Yeah, equestrian, I, right? Yeah. Yeah. She say, I want to be like you. I want to be the best. So uh, that's why we always uh, practice, always uh, uh, riding my horses. Yeah, that's the key. You have talent and you need to be disciplined in, your, in what you do. And you're going to be the best one day. How good are you at riding horses? I'm really good. <laughs> How good is she? Really good. Yeah. <laughs> the best. She's the best. She has a, a big tournament coming at the end of the April. The global. It's really big. What got her into horse racing? Why, why did that become her sport of choice? I don't know. <laughs> she loves horses. I, I always love horses and I have horses, but she, she say, I want to uh, ride horses, jumping horses. So, okay, do it. You, and she loves. You mentioned that, you know, you know, you don't know how long you'll fight. Six, seven years, maybe less. Boxing can be a hard sport to walk away from. At least it has been for many. Do you think it will be easy for you to walk away from when it's time? No. <laughs> I didn't think so. No, it's it's going to be hard. <laughs> but it is what it is. How will you know it's time? Huh? How will you know when it's time? Your body. Your body told you when it's time to go. <laughs> So you don't think you'll be like a Bernard Hopkins and fight in your fifties? Uh, <laughs> that that case is special. Mm. Uh, that's I, I don't think that'll ever be done again when you're that, no. that old. <laughs> but uh, if yes, uh, I I don't want to be fighting up fifty years old. So yeah, that's uh, kind of a dangerous sport to be in at at that age. Um, you're you're preparing for this fight against Bevel, and one thing I was reading about was you're going vegan for this fight. Why did you make that decision? Anyway, no, no hundred percent, okay. but try. To. I feel good. Feel, feel I feel good, uh, and I try, and not hundred percent, but I try, and I feel good. What? Why did you decide to try? Uh, I I saw I watched a documental on Netflix about the the food and everything and that's why. <laughs> Did you, not not the bad vegan documentary was that the one you watched? Uh, like health, I don't know health health something is that is that name? Okay, okay. And does it make you, has it had a, an effect on you? Do you like it? No, I like it. I like it. It's, it talk about the, the food, make you go in cancer, and, uh, diabetes, uh, everything like that. So, Do you feel any different training, you know, because of that kind of food? No. Same. The same. You're uh, a couple weeks away now from facing Dimitri Bivol. Like, you face some dangerous guys, some really skilled guys, undefeated fighters. When you look at Bevel, what makes him a dangerous opponent? Oh, he's a good fighter and a difficult fighter, too. He's a fighter who fights at distance, have a good distance, good moves. He's fast for the division, so he's strong. And he's a solid champion in 175. So uh, he's a danger fighter, but I like it. You, you, you fought a lot of guys, Canelo, that have tried to jab you to a win, throw a million jabs and beat you that way. 
I'd guess Bevel is probably going to try to do a lot of the same things. What is the key to beating guys who try to jab you that much? Be patient. Be patient and go and find a way to go inside So and be patient. You know, every time there's a UFC fight, we hear about a UFC fighter calling you out. Do you ever have any interest in doing that, in fighting a guy from the MMA world? Not right now. Not right now. Maybe when I was, when I, sorry, when I have 38 years old, 37, <laughs> you never know. You never, never know. It feels like that's, right. that's an easy fight. I mean, some of these UFC guys are great UFC fighters, but they're not boxers. Like, it feels like that's easy money for you. So even more easy money. <laughs> as, as you kind of feel yourself right now and where you're at in boxing, do you feel like there's anybody that can beat you? Do you have that kind of feeling right now? Oh, it's boxing, but I feel nobody can beat me right now. I feel in, in my prime. And no disrespect to other fighters. No, it's a great fighter right there, but I, I feel in my prime. I feel strong. I feel uh, in my best. You're always working on something with Eddie Reynoso. Like, are you still improving? Or do you feel like you're still getting better as a fighter? Yeah, always. We always try to do something different. Always learn something different in the, in the gym. Uh, um, try to don't do mistakes, the same mistakes I did in last fight. So I always we always working in something. So you feel you'll be even a, a better fighter against Bevel? Yeah, of course. It depends the fighter. Depends the fighter. You know, sometimes the fighters. Uh, I need to do something different. Uh, with other fighters, I don't want to do too much things. So it depends on the, the, the fighters. Well, your your English has gotten a lot better the last couple of years. I can tell you that it's excellent. Uh, thank you. I try. I try. I try. <laughs> I try my best. Um, before I let you go, did did I want to have to ask you? Did you watch Golovkin's fight, and what did you think of it? No, I don't watch the the the, the Golovkin fight. I watch highlights, but I don't watch the entire fight. And I saw the the same thing. And I and Golovkin uh, did what supposed to to do, right? I I always say he's gonna call Murata. He did. Mm. Did you did you think he looked good doing it? I, I looked like I, I watched the highlights. I don't know. Mm. I don't. Know. I need to watch the entire fight to to see. But I, I it's. He looks good. He looks strong, like always. You have, I don't know the rounds. You have your own fight, obviously, with Bevel, but are you happy that he won? I mean, because that would set up... I don't, I don't care. I don't care. I'm I'm 100% focused on my fight, so I don't care about him. He won already, but I'm 100% focused on my fight. I, I, I had a really dangerous fight. Yeah, no question about that. Bevo's undefeated, uh, and he's excellent. Canelo, looking forward to uh, seeing you during fight week, man. Thanks for taking some time. Oh, thank you. Thank you. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And... As long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, that's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for 
a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Time now for this week's picks, brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. And this week, no surprise, I am focused on the big one. Tyson Fury against Dillian White, WBC heavyweight championship on the line over in the UK. More than 90,000 fans expected at Wembley. This is going to be a big event. Now, Tyson Fury is the favorite, and it's easy to see why. He is coming off back-to-back spectacular wins over Deontay Wilder, whereas Dillian White is just a couple of fights removed from getting knocked out by Alexander Povekin. So I think your money is safe betting on Fury. I think he has an advantage over White in virtually every possible way. He's the better boxer. He's got, I think, more overall power. He is going to have so many size and physical advantages in this fight. He has proven to be very good at using them. So Fury, even at minus 600, is a pretty safe bet to take on that. Now, method of victory I think is interesting. This is where I think you can win some money. Most people are expecting this fight to end one way or the other by knockout. Fury, he just knocked out Wilder twice. Dillian White, he has got great power in that overhand left. But I think this is going to be more of a boxing match. I don't think you're going to see Tyson Fury be as aggressive as he was against Deontay Wilder. I think you're going to see more of the Fury that we saw in the first fight against Wilder, or we saw during his first career-defining win against Vladimir Klitschko. I think he's going to be more of a boxer in this one. And if that's the case, I can see this fight ending in a 9-3, 10-2 type of decision. Fury by points is plus 240, according to FanDuel, and that, I think, is a bet that you should jump on. So, take Fury to win. He's a favorite. You got to bet big to make that worth your while. But the real bet, I think it's Fury by decision. Those are my picks brought to you by FanDuel. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Mike Coppinger and Canelo Alvarez for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And next week, we will be in New York for the Katie Taylor-Amanda Serrano fight, the biggest fight in women's boxing history. We will be there on the scene. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. 
We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.